You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Episode of the Let's Talk Football podcast. I'm your host, Billy Powell, and after yet another hectic and entertaining group of fixtures, we have yet another game week roundup and the final batch of games before Christmas. With no games taking place on Friday, the first game of the weekend was on Saturday as Liverpool travelled down to London to take on Crystal Palace in the 12.30 kickoff. With Salah being rested and starting on the bench, it was Minamino who came into the Liverpool starting lineup for just the second time this season, and it was only two minutes into the game when he managed to get his first goal of the season. Not long after that, Palace had the opportunity to level the tie through Jordan Ayew, but instead of being greedy, he tried to play it, lay it off to Wilf Zaha, but his pass was poor and the opportunity was lost. Liverpool soon made it two through Sadio Mane, whose shot nestled into the bottom corner after a pass from Roberto Firmino. And it wasn't long before Firmino, Firmino made it three for Liverpool. Andy Robertson's delivery into the middle was met by Firmino, who was in plenty of space and coolly passed it into the net past Guaita. It was 3-0 to Liverpool at half-time, and being totally honest, the scoreline didn't reflect the game. The first half I thought was very even and for Palace to be 3-0 down it was very unfortunate. The second half though was completely different. By that I mean the way that Palace approached the game. Palace came out and it just looked like they were completely deflated and almost looked like they'd given up. Which just allowed Liverpool to play their football and completely dominate. Jordan Henderson scored in the 52nd minute to make it 4 just before the hour mark, Jurgen Klopp decided to take off Mane and bring Salah on, and only 11 minutes after coming on, he provided the assist for Liverpool's fifth as Firmino dinked over the keeper. And on the 81st minute, Salah did manage to get his goal. Joel Matip won a header off a Trent corner, which was nodded down to Salah, who then got Liverpool's sixth. And Salah hadn't finished having his fun just yet. Three minutes after his first, he got another to make it 7-0 to Liverpool and wrapped up a wonderful day at the office for the lads from Merseyside. 
The three o'clock kickoff was between very informed Southampton and a Manchester City side looking to get their sixth win of the season. And it was only 16 minutes into the game when the visitors got their first goal of the afternoon, when none other than Kevin De Bruyne was able to pick out Raheem Sterling lurking in the middle, and he very neatly finished past McCarthy in the Saints' goal. Southampton reacted very well and only four minutes later had a great chance at equalising. Theo Walcott took a shot from the edge of the box which Edison parried out towards Danny Ings but his outstretched leg just couldn't reach it as it ended into the ended up into the path of Oriol Romeo whose shot was blocked and eventually turned to safety. The second half continued in the same vein as the first with both teams having chances but neither team could really take them. It was City though who looked more likely to get the second of the afternoon but they just couldn't seem to finish their chances which unfortunately for this City side is becoming quite a trend. On a positive though for Man City De Bruyne looked very good and pivotal in going forward for City. Everything went through him on Saturday and it was almost like the other attacking players were just relying on him to create something, similarly to, similarly to how Villa were last season with Grealish. But 1-0 is how the game ended and I'd say that's a fair result. Southampton may feel a bit disappointed that they couldn't take home at least a point, but looking at the bigger picture, they're only two points off the top four and have only lost four games in 14 this season, so I don't think they can be complaining too much. After picking up a point in midweek, Arsenal will have been looking to build on that as they travelled to Merseyside to face an Everton side coming off the back of seven points from their last three as they look to be reigniting their form from the beginning of the season. It only took 22 minutes for the first goal of the afternoon and it was another former Arsenal man, Alex Awobi, who crossed the ball into Dominic Calvert-Lewin which he got his head to, but his contact just wasn't enough to turn it in, so Rob Holding did it for him. Fortunately for Arsenal, though, they were back on level terms when Tom Davies brought down Ainsley Maitland-Niles in the box, and there was no doubt about whether there was a penalty or not. Nicola Pepe stepped up and wrong-footed Pickford, but just on the stroke of half-time, Calvert-Lewin took a rare shot from outside the box as he forced Leno into an outstanding save which was just tipped away. But poor, more, poor marking from the resulting corner made it too easy for Everton and Yuri Mina, who very simply headed it home. 2-1 was, was the result going into half-time and for me, I thought that it flattered Everton a bit. But I suppose they just took their chances when they had them, which Everton seemed to be doing a lot. The same can't be said for their opponents though, as the second half was all Arsenal, but they just couldn't take their chances. That's Everton's third win on the bounce and eighth win of the season, whereas Arsenal, however, make that their eighth loss of the season and only two away from equaling last season's tally. Fulham travelled to Newcastle in the final game of the day in what must have been one of the most boring games I've ever seen. Besides the two goals anyway. With it being boring, there wasn't too much to report. Fulham got the first goal of the afternoon when Adamola Luckman's corner was met by the head of Adarabayo, whose head had bounced into the ground and straight into the face of Matt Ritchie as the ball was eventually turned into the goal past Darlo. If you haven't seen it, go and have a look because the way it just bounced up off the ground straight into Ritchie's face, it did make me laugh. But moving into the second half and what took place for Newcastle's goal, 
must be one of the worst VAR decisions I think I've ever seen. And that is genuinely no exaggeration either. Callum Wilson was running through on goal as the Fulham defending Joachim Anderson was running to try and catch him up. Just before Wilson entered the box, Anderson pulled him back ever so slightly, but he stayed on his feet. And as he entered the box, with no additional contact, Wilson went over. At first glance, I agreed with the referee who pointed to the penalty spot. But as VAR had a check, you could clearly see that there was no contact initiating the fall, which was a very obvious dive, yet the VAR officials and the referee gave the penalty. Very bizarre, and for the life of me, I can't get my head round the decision. But of course, Callum Wilson scored as the game finished 1-1. Fulham, very, very unfortunate to not have come away with all three points, and yet another VAR decision going in the way of Newcastle. With Sheffield United sitting rock bottom on only one point, they travelled to Brighton to face a side who could have climbed above Arsenal with a win. In a very dominant first half for the home side, and as if things couldn't get worse for Sheffield United, John Lundstrom stupidly got sent off for a very nasty two-footed tackle with his feet going over the ball and a very clear and obvious red card, which there was no need to deliberate over. But it was the team with 10 men that broke the deadlock, and it was the man Jaden Bogle making his first Premier League appearance who got the goal totally against the run of play. But Sheffield United won't care. And it did look like they were going to get their first win as well. But Danny Welbeck had other ideas and equalised in the 86th minute. Brighton very nearly nicked it at the end too. And they should have won it really. Danny Welbeck's header in the 95th minute was cleared off the line. Straight into the path of Jehambach. But his header from two yards out hit the crossbar and was eventually cleared. 1-1 is how the game ended, and Brighton will feel very unfortunate to not have come away with all three points, which they should have done at the end. Sheffield United, though, will be very relieved to finally get another point on the board in their quest to not have the record low points tally by the end of the season. (laughs) Spurs welcomed a Leicester side looking to redeem themselves after a 2-0 loss against Everton in midweek, which is exactly what Spurs were looking to do themselves after a poor couple of results in previous games, in which shaped up to be a very entertaining game. And entertaining it was. The first half was all Leicester really, with Spurs having the odd chance, but it was right at the end of the half when the first goal came. After a hoof ball into the box from a free kick, the ball fell to Wesley Fofana, who was then barged in the back by Serge Aurier. The referee didn't give it at first, but after consulting VAR, they came to the decision to give the penalty, and rightly so. Jamie Vardy stepped up to take it, and there was no missing from him, as Leicester went into the break 1-0 up. Leicester got off to a great start in the second, as James Madison latched onto a ball played over the top by Fafana, and he calmly slotted the ball past Lloris to put Leicester 2-0 up. Unfortunately for Leicester though, VAR had a look and gave offside because Madison was leaning forward. They didn't have to wait long before they were actually two goals ahead though. 
Michael Brighton's delivery was met by Jamie Vardy and his header went in after taking a very large deflection off Alderweireld. I actually think it went down as an own goal. But Spurs looked like they'd gotten a goal back through Hyungmin Son, but his scuff shot was unbelievably saved by Kasper Schmeichel as it looked like it was nestling into the top corner. But the score remained the same and Liverpool's lead at the top was extended to four points and and Leicester go up to second with Tottenham dropping out of the top four as well. Leeds fans have been waiting 17 years to finally see this fixture in the Premier League again as they took on Manchester United at Old Trafford and what a game it was. Three minutes into the game, Manchester United were already 2-0 up. Yes, that actually happened. And the most freakish thing that afternoon was that Scott McTominay got both of the goals. The first of which was a 25-yard low and powerful strike into the, right into the bottom corner. And the second was when he turned into prime R9 and beautifully slotted it past the keeper. In the 20th minute, two became three when Bruno Fernandes got in on the act. And then three became four just 17 minutes after that through Victor Lindelof. Unfortunately for United though, they weren't able to keep Leeds out for the full 90 minutes. And just before half-time, Liam Cooper scored to make it 4-1 going into the break. Much like the first half, there was only one team that ever looked like scoring. And that was the team that were taking their chances. 20 minutes after half-time, and it was the Welshman who was very, very close to joining Leeds who got Man United's fifth goal. Dan James, as his shot went under the goalkeeper, and just four minutes after that, United then got their sixth of the day as Martial was brought down in the box and Bruno Fernandes stepped up and scored. 6-1 with 20 minutes to go, and it really looked bad for the third best manager in the world. Leeds did grab another though and closed the gap to four goals through Stuart Dallas. But 6-2 is how the game ended, moving United up to third and keeping Leeds in 14th. Villa travelled across Birmingham to take on Sam Allardyce's West Bromwich Albion. Villa got off to the dream start and only 15 minutes into the game got the first goal of the evening when Anwar El Ghazi got on the end of a Bertrand Traore cross as he tipped it past Sam Johnston. This was a very one-sided affair, and that was made even more so when Jake Livermore got got sent off for a disgusting tackle on Jack Grealish. He two-footed, jumped into Grealish, and we're just very, very lucky and very fortunate that Jack hadn't planted his foot Because if he did and it wasn't in the air, that's a potential career ender. A vile challenge and rightly sent off. But only after a VAR check, as the initial was only yellow for referee Martin Atkinson. But only a few minutes later and Villa themselves could have been down to 10 men. Courtney House it was who made the challenge. This time though, the difference in the two challenges was that Courtney House didn't intend to hurt the player and he didn't go flying in when it was just a late challenge. Saying that though, if the referee did decide to give the red, which I thought he was going to, it really wouldn't have surprised me. But fortunately for the Villa, we were able to stick with the 11 men. As I said, it was a very one-sided affair. And Villa were the only side that looked like scoring. 
West Brom had one shot all game, and even that came from a free kick. After constant pushing from Villa, Ollie Watkins finally got his goal from a delivery from Matty Cash to make it 2-0, with 15 minutes to go. But VAR, yet again, had other ideas. Watkins, similarly to Madison against Spurs, was leaning forward and another very marginal offside was given against us. Luckily, it didn't matter though, as only 11 minutes later, Bertrand Traore got his goal, which he fully deserved after a nice break from Grealish and what a finish it was just to pass it past Sam Johnston before the keeper could even set himself. Tuned up with four minutes to play and Grealish again, the catalyst this Villa side, broke through the West Brom defence before being taken down in the box. And again, no complaints from VAR as El Ghazi stood up to get his second of the game, placing it nicely down the middle. 3-0 to Villa and that's how the game ended. Seven points from a possible nine for Villa now, ending great form to face Palace on Boxing Day. West Brom now five points off Brighton in 17th as that gap seems to be getting bigger and bigger but with every passing week. Burnley welcomed Wolves to Turf Moor on Monday evening's early fixture and with Burnley looking themselves again able to grind out results this game shaped up to be a very interesting one. With a very even first half, it was Burnley who managed to get the breakthrough with Ashley Barnes scoring his first goal in about 900 minutes from a Charlie Taylor delivery. And Barnes was, burking at, was lurking sorry, at the back post as he managed to squeeze it in. Other than that, the game was very even and the second half continued like that up until about six minutes into the, far, into the second half when Chris Wood scored to double their lead. Wolves then flicked on the switch and decided to try and attack, which is exactly what they did. They started creating chances, but nothing real clear-cut as Burnley defended very well. And that was until the 89th minute when Burnley youngster Benson fouled Wolves youngster Fabio Silva in the box and a penalty was given. Fabio Silva took it and scored as he became Wolves' youngest ever scorer in the Premier League. Wolves looked to get another, but it was too little, too late for them, as Burnley ran out 2-1 winners. The weekend's final game was another London derby, as West Ham travelled across the city to face Chelsea. Chelsea got off to a start of mixed emotions when only nine minutes into the game, Ben Chilwell went down with an injury, which, had to, which forced him to come off. We're not too sure yet on the severity of the injury, but hopefully it won't be too bad and he'll be back on the pitch soon. Only a minute later though, Chelsea managed to get their first goal of the afternoon through Thiago Silva and that was his second goal of the season off yet another corner. There were plenty of chances in the first half, but nothing real clear cut for either team and that's a similar vein the second half went. West Ham probably had the best chances at the end of the first half and beginning of the second but as i say they just couldn't take them west ham on the chelsea on the other hand were able to take their chances when they got them and in the second half the first real chance of the second half came in the 78th minute when timo werner's scuff shot landed to the feet of tammy abraham who slotted past fabianski And just two minutes later, Tammy Abraham again got the goal. Mason Mount it was who crossed the ball into the box. Pulisic got on the end of it and at point blank range, 
but Fabianski made himself big and saved the ball as it landed to Tammy two yards out as he put Chelsea up three, which is how it ended. It's good to see Tammy back on the score sheet and you could see after the game just how relieved he was to be back amongst the goals. That's everything from me today. Thank you very, very much for listening. Thank you for all of your support you've given me. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. I know it's not been the greatest year, but I really hope that Christmas can bring some happiness to you and your family. Just before I go, there won't be an episode on Friday, as Friday is, of course, Christmas Day. But there will be a Game Week 15 roundup on Tuesday. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at LTFootballPod. Take it easy. Thank you very much again for listening. And I hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.